Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. We're jumping into our brand, uh, a brand new series called This Is Us, and over the next four weeks we are going to be celebrating the history of our church, the roots of our church, and really praying into what the future of not only our campus is, but what but what the future of the church will be. And so we're going to be studying some of the scriptures that have been foundational to us as a church as we've grown and as, we, as, we, as we've branched forward. And as uh, Pastor Josh already said, if you have any questions about the history of the church, the 50th anniversary celebration, anything, all of our staff and elders will be wearing these t-shirts over the next couple of weeks. So whether you're new or whether you've been attending for a little while and just have some questions, please make sure to touch base with us because we are really excited to, to jump into uh, this celebration not to celebrate ourselves but to celebrate God and what he has done and really expect that he will continue to do much of the same he might do it in new ways he might do it in new places we're not going to put God into any kind of a box that we would want to put it put on that uh, but we are going to believe that God will be faithful and continue to grow his church in the way that he always does so I thought it'd be a little bit of fun if uh, as, as we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the church if we played a little game is it better or worse after 50 years okay so this is a if you think it's if, if you think it's better then uh, you'll ask you raise your hand or worse you, you can you can raise your hand so first one I thought where's uh where's Anthony is Anthony in the room this morning Anthony I heard from your daughter that you're you're close to turning 50 is that true no, no it's not true <laughs> so so we had a little bit of fun we said what we, we we had this app and we said what would anthony look like after 50 so so what would anthony <laughs> so, so who thinks better after 50 worse after 50. <laughs> oh no anthony you i don't know maybe you've lived the best years of your life I, I, <laughs> the people are not on your side this morning okay uh, what, about, what about what about cars okay so who likes a new car who likes when you get a brand new car you love when you get a brand new car. But what about a 1969 Shelby Mustang? Would you, is it, is that, is it better? Is a 50-year-old car better? Who says better? Who's worse? You want your 2018 Ford Focus? Yeah, you guys are nuts, all right? <laughs> 1969 Shelby wins over the Ford Focus. What about this? Is the Le is cheering for the Leafs, is this better or worse after 50 years? <laughs> I think it's worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. <laughs> well, the church, the church is better after 50 years. The church is, the church is growing. The, it's better to be together and join, uh, and join together and see what God's been doing as time moves on. And we, we have become better over our time, uh, over the last 50 years. And if you have not been receiving the video updates that Pastor Doug has been sending out, he sends out an e-blast every week. And there's been little videos about the history of the church. And if, if you've not been receiving that, there's information in your bulletin or you can sign up on your app and just put your email in there. You'll get, you'll get the history of, 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 of what's been happening and the history of, of the church. It's been really cool to see how, how MGT was a place that it was six families meeting together in a home in, in South Aaron Mills and, and what God has done over the years. So if, if you haven't been receiving those, make sure you do sign up for that. 
But we have transitioned from six families in a home to now a 3,000 purpose, five, uh, 3,000 person, five campus, three site community of people gathering together and seeing what God has for us. And so that's what we want to do over these next few weeks is just look into that, but really look into our future. And we're going to study a few specific texts that provide the foundation of how not only God grows his church all over the place, but specifically how God has grown our church. God promised that he would grow his church scripturally. This, this isn't our idea. This isn't your, yours and mine isn't Portico's idea. God said, I will grow my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. And as a campus, we are fulfilling the mission of Jesus that was given to followers to say, go and grow the church. Go and make disciples. Uh, where he said, Peter, you're going to be a, Peter, the one who was, who, was, who was challenging Jesus or questioning Jesus or, or doubting, but full of energy. He said, you're my rock, Peter, and I'm going to build my church on you and on people like you. And everyone who's on this journey of following Jesus, but specifically for us meeting in a campus, we fundamentally need to understand what this is all about. Because church would be easier and church would be more comfortable if we were in a place where everything was cared for and everything was done. If we didn't, some of us are here at seven in the morning setting up chairs and, and we're like, we've got all kinds of decorations all over this building. We know it's not ours and our kids aren't meeting in ideal locations and we got stuff in a trailer. And, and it, if, if we just found a place that was more comfortable, it might be easier. So we need to fundamentally understand why are we doing something that seems more difficult? And the answer is very easy. It's that because we need to reach people with the gospel message of Jesus and let them know that, that, that God loves every human being as they are, has a way and wants to have a personal relationship with them. And if we just go to a place that's easy and everything's done for us, we will never reach people with this message. You will never be engaged on that message if you just come and sit in a church service week after week. And what we'll see is that in the, in the book of Acts and all through the New Testament, the writers never settled for what was easier. They never encouraged people to an easy faith and a comfortable faith. They never said, find a building where there's lots of people and you can just come and hear about the word of God. They, they never said that. And so we're going to study some of these texts and say, and say what, what really was Paul saying? What really were the disciples saying about how God's church was going to grow and how he would expand his church? And we want to align ourselves to that because we, we don't want to align ourselves to Doug's idea, to my idea, to the elder's idea. We want to align ourselves scripturally and see what kind of church Jesus set up that would go and reach everyone, making disciples of, every, of, of nations all over the world. And today's a very special day is because we have three families from our own community who are going to share contextually how they have participated in that. They're, they're going to share about their challenges. They're going to share about the things that God has spoken to their hearts and how, how they have participated in growing the church and growing our campus. And we're going to study uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, open up 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. And in your notes, you're going to see three translations because we're going to pull words out of each of the translations. And if you're, if you're newer to the Bible or, or, or you haven't really studied the Bible or you say, I, there's all these translations in my app, what, what could they possibly mean? What, why does the Bible say different things but saying the same thing? And, it's, and, and it's, it's for this reason. Different people have gone back to the ancient texts and said, I want to extract the, the, the essence of the word of, uh, uh, of 
what the original writer said. And obviously we can't, we know that English doesn't translate word to word in whether it was Aramaic, whether it was Greek, whether the different, the different languages that it was originally written in. And of course, words in English change connotation over time. So a word that was translated a hundred years ago may not mean the same thing to us now. So we always are updating different translations. Some of them are done word by word. Some of them are done phrase by phrase. Some of them are done thought by thought. So that's why we have all these different translations. And for us to pick up a, to us to pick up a Bible and say, here's exactly the English word, we can't 100% say that. So sometimes it's good to go through different translations and see what exactly is it saying. So I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, but we also have the NIV and the CEV, which is the Contemporary English Version, which is a, is a version that tries to get a modern understanding of it. And then the NIV, which is a little older version, which has a translation some of you may be more familiar with, but is a, it, it's a few decades old and, and ha- loses maybe some of its relevance that way. But uh, here's, where, here's where we're going to read uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Paul writes to a church, he says, So my dear brothers and sisters, here's the message to them. Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And you can see in, in some of the other translations, some of the other words they use there. And we're going we're gonna to pull out the different understandings this morning. But what we see in this passage is the Apostle Paul, who of course came to faith in, in, a, very, in, in a very extravagant way, in a, in a big way. He was somebody who was working against the church. And God's spirit came and, and, and attacked him, literally knocked him off his horse and, and began, it began to work in him and say, no, Paul, you've been doing the wrong thing and I want you to build my church. I don't want you to work against the church. And Paul was writing to a young community in, in Corinth. And, and in Corinth, they were really figuring out what it looked like to follow Jesus in a, in a, in a, uh, in a city that wasn't God-honoring and, and they didn't have a history of faith. So they, were re- they had some big challenges in Corinth And he writes these words, you have to be strong, you have to be resolute, you have to be immovable, you have to work enthusiastically for the Lord and know that nothing that you ever do is useless or in vain. And what we want to do is apply those lessons to our life and hear how we've been doing it, maybe hear how we've been doing it well, maybe challenge ourselves to step up in places where we haven't been applying that so that we will continue to thrive as a church and as a community. Question for you, as you to, to reflect this morning, do you believe that God has great things ahead of us? Some. <laughs> do, you, do you believe that God has great things ahead for us? Yeah. I believe God has great things ahead for us, and I believe we need to continue to apply the scripture, and that God will do great things as we continue to submit ourselves to him. He doesn't have great things ahead because of our ideas or what we want. He has great things ahead as we continually submit ourselves to him. So we have four parts of the verse we're going to pull out, and we have four virtues that we're going to look about how we are applying them to our lives. So the first one is this. In the NLT, it says, be strong. And in the NIV, it says, stand firm. That's the command. Be strong or stand firm. To thrive as a church in a day and age like this, in a society like this, requires a great deal of courage and strength and firmness. We live in a day when Christian prayer has been pushed out of our society. We would say, we can't, we can't have that in our schools. We can't, we can't be praying at our public assemblies, but other kinds of prayer might be welcomed. And it might be seen as, well, that's a cultural expression. We say, no, but if you're going to pray to a Christian God, we cannot, we cannot do that. To believe in Jesus 
who we know accepts every person as they are, loves them to wholeness, wants to have, uh, wants to have a relationship with them, that is often viewed as narrow-minded. Say, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're narrow-minded. But if we're to follow another religion, we can say that that's just part of your expression as a person and we need to work that into the fabric of Canadian society. We're in a difficult day and age to be a follower of Christ. And if we want the church to thrive, if you and I want to thrive, we need to be strong and we need to stand firm. We have a message of love and hope for everybody in the world, but to grow as a church, to make disciples, that will require followers of Jesus to say, I am not going to waver on the mission to going out and making disciples. I'm, I'm not going to just look for what's easiest. I'm not going to look for what just fits me. I'm going to have strength in going and building the church the way that God has called me to do so. Consider it. If you're going to invite somebody out to, like, you go to Good Life Fitness. If you're going to say, hey, come on to Good Life Fitness with me. They're, they've got a great new machine, and I, I want you to show you what it's like at my health club. They'll go, sure, I can go with that. Or, they, or you can say, I just tried this new restaurant last week, and they've got, oh man, they've got the, they've got the best hummus. And you, like, it's just so rich. And, or like, who's a Laziz fan? You know Laziz, you got Laziz. Who's, who's more like an Osmos? Uh, who's more, uh, or Paramount? Anyone like Paramount? Okay, see, so there's a, you could say, this is the way that, this is the restaurant I want to go to. And you can invite somebody to your favorite restaurant. But then if you go, hey, I want to, I want to invite you to my church. We're talking about how to make disciples. <laughs> they go, Oh, oh, I'm not so sure. I'll go to Good Life and I'll go to Paramount, but I'm not so sure I'm going to go to your church. Why? Because we are not in a society that's necessarily favorable to hearing the message of Jesus. And if we are going to go to a world like that, then the virtue we need to have is tenacious courage. And if you're taking notes, you can write that down. We need to have courage that we have something that's of value to our world and to the people around us. And if we're going to get this message to the world, we need to figure out how can we get through the walls that they might put up. What are the walls that we would need to break down as a community so that we would begin to reach people who have never heard about Jesus? And I'm going to invite onto the stage Dave and Bev Graham. Why don't you welcome Dave and Bev as they come <laughs> this morning? And I uh, got a mic here somewhere. It's, it's on for you here. And Dave and, Dave and Bev, uh, Dave was an elder when I first came to the church 15 years ago. I think you're on the, on the board at, uh, at that time. Yeah, I think, yeah, he doesn't remember. It, apparently, I made a great impact on him. But, uh, <laughs> but they've been leaders in, in our church for years. We've been neighbors. We've been friends. We volunteered at the, at the school together. And, um, but, but over the years, these guys somehow made a decision to come here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why are you here when you've been established in a church for so many years that, that, that you've led well, that has fed you and fed, fed your family? Well, good morning. Um, we have attended MGT slash Portico for over 40 years. Seems like a long time. When we look at the photos now, we I'm only realize 40. how... <laughs> Over 40. And um, we've raised our family there, and we've served in many capacities through the years. Um, we always felt a sense of belonging and felt part of the church family. And early on, we made a commitment to be involved in serving, in ministry, and in leadership. And even when the children were very young, we dragged them along, and we'd, you know, we'd be doing youth ministry or children's ministry or worship or something like that. Uh, we've lived in Mississauga most of our married life. And we loved it there. But about five years ago, we decided to move to Georgetown because we were wanted to downsize and wanted something a little quieter and 
the slower pace of life. So um, we felt that was where God was leading us. And so after a period of time there, driving back and forth to Portico, we thought, you know, maybe God would like us to transition to a church closer to home. And we have, uh, when early in our marriage, we did attend MGT down on the College Way, and we lived in the villages of Heart Lake. So we know what it's like to live far from a church and still, you know, feel a bit disconnected and not part of the church body. After some searching and investigation, uh, when we moved to Georgetown, we never did find a church locally and continued to attend uh, Portico Streetsville. But at the same time, there was a feeling, a sort of an unsettled feeling, and we were feeling a bit disconnected, and we weren't really sure why. And uh, so after many conversations and praying and wrestling with God, as you do during times like that of uncertainty, um, we started to realize that it was God's way of preparing and releasing us from the Streetsville campus. Um, when we started to hear that Portico was planning a new campus launch, uh, we were quite excited about the possibilities of that. We wondered, where is it going to be? Because it was a big secret. <laughs> and uh, would it be closer to us? And might this be something that we were looking for? We wanted to be involved in a ministry at more of a grassroots level, uh, one working more directly in the community and one with an outreach to the poor. Um, when we heard of the Discovery Church and the Portico partnership, we thought maybe this was something we should explore. And so three weeks before the actual launch, we decided to visit the Discovery campus and to see you know, how we felt when we attended there. Well, we immediately met new people, and we started to make some connections. Dave attended several of the prayer meetings, and I attended one of the women's prayer breakfasts, and, you know, really welcomed and, you know, has developed a, a bit of a friendship with one of the ladies there, and we go to coffee once in a while. So, um, And we both felt God's presence and his peace in the services and in just, you know, foyer, talking with people and getting to know people felt that, um, you know, maybe this was something that God was calling us to. Rick, Rick's thinking, how long are they going to go? <laughs> <laughs> you got a captive uh, audience. <laughs> I told him I wouldn't start with, I was born at a very early age. Um, uh, but during that time, Bev and I had a conversation and a meeting with Pastor Rick, and we found out that a key part of our go-ahead strategy for the new campus was to have an association with Regeneration Brampton. And I think most people know what that's about, um, but it's a ministry to serve the homeless, those at risk of homelessness, and those living in extreme poverty. And when you told us that, I went, yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, this was exactly the kind of thing that we wanted to be involved in. And since we've come to Brampton, uh, we've had the opportunity to be involved in regeneration uh, in a small way, serving breakfast, and we hope to do more moving ahead. Um, we participated in the door-to-door -door delivery of invitations to our Brampton outreach. Some of you remember that fondly or not. Uh, <laughs> um, we were involved in the event in El Dorado Park, and um, we look forward to doing more of these things in the future. Um, it's easy for people, when they get to be our age, to feel like, hey, I've got grandkids. Haven't I paid my dues? Haven't I done my part? 
But like you were reading in 1 Corinthians 15:58, it says, always give yourselves to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It doesn't say when you turn 60, you don't have to do this anymore or some, some other arbitrary age or event. So Bev and I came to realize that for this time, God was leading us and transitioning us from our church home to our new campus plant here in Brampton. Um, Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. It's not always easy to do when you're going through things. But for us, though it was a step of faith, and even through the uncertainty, God's peace was with us. And here we are. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. I hope that resonates with a lot of people here. Because this campus only exists because a group of about 150 people committed not to doing what was easy, not to saying I've done my time, or not to saying there's something somewhere else where I can be, but I will do what is necessary to fulfill the call that God has on my life. I will feel what is necessary to fulfill the call that God has on his church. Everyone here, never forget why you are here. Never forget why we gather together on Sundays. We don't come together to find what is the easiest, most, most encouraging, or the, the, the most, uh, or I wouldn't say encouraging, what, what is the easiest, most convenient place. We don't get together for that. We get together to be on purpose to encourage each other out of the word, to hear God's voice speak to us through the worship, but to know that we are on mission. We are followers of Jesus on mission together, building his church. And I pray that we are always listening to that and saying, God, whatever that is, I will be firm. I will be strong. I will step in. That story might resonate and, and saying, hey, I'm here to reach the poor. Others may say, I'm here because this is a community that doesn't need me. Others may, uh, that, that, that doesn't have another church expression that needs me. Others may be here because you say, I, I know there are young people in this church that, that desperately need somebody to lead them and disciple them. Whatever it is, remember why you're here. Because there will be moments when a thought will run through your head and go, there might be another place where it's easier to be me or <laughs> easier, to, easier to do this. I could, you know, Streetsville's 20 minutes down the road. There, there's a church that I drive by on my way. Never forget that God has called you and why you are here. Because some of us have this thought that there might be some other place that, that offers me more, which leads to Paul's second, um, second command is that in the CEV, it says, don't be shaken. And in the NLT, it says, be immovable. Our family, Amanda and Hope and I, we are in year seven of campus planting. We've, we were at the Streetsville, we were youth pastors for uh, seven years, and then we were volunteering within the church for a year. And I would say, honestly, from, the, from our experience, to say you were seven years in a church with 1,500 people, and then you've been seven years planting campuses, and nothing has been offered greater to us than when we have invested as a family in working together and serving together. There's this thought sometimes, well, a larger church, doesn't it have more to offer us in terms of kids' ministries or adult ministries, or, or doesn't it have more to offer there is nothing that is offered to you greater than the privilege of serving in and being part 
of God's church and, and being part of, of leading. Our, our campus, or I'll start with, start with my daughter. My daughter has never been offered anything more than the opportunity to know that every time she shows up to a church, whether it's a Sunday meeting, whether it's a midweek meeting, that she's needed. Let's say you have a skill that's valuable that you can build God's church with. She participated in the coldest night of the year when we went, there was a bunch of us, there were, there were a few kids that were walking around. You know, we raised more than all of Streetsville together, right? Like, you know that out of this campus. <laughs> because there's a group of people that said, no, I'm needed. I'm required. I need to be, I need to be part of that. And the, there's, there's, been, there's been times when like, um, as, yeah, sure guys, come on out. That's all right. There's been, there's been there's been times when we had when we had our when we had our park parties and when we were when we were we were out there and there was hundreds of our Muslim neighbors uh, out there and we were we were offering that we were offering them a chance to bounce into our into our bouncy castle and we were having our, our service but our kids were there you and I were there we were having the opportunity to interact with people that we would never have the opportunity to interact with if we weren't forced to do so to be part of building his church. You will never be offered more than, the, than what you are offered in the opportunity of church planting and church building. And the strength that, will that is required of you to continue to be a follower of Christ is built in the moments when you are, when you are participating in building God's church. And whether, you've been, whether you're an adult or whether you're a young person or, or, or a kid growing up, that's the stuff that becomes foundational. So the second value we want to talk about this morning is to be resolute on your convictions. We're going to have tenacious courage, be firm, and be bold. We're going to be resolute on our convictions that this is what we do. And that's how we live out the Paul's command to be, don't be shaken or be immovable. And uh, Olaf and Kathy are joining me on stage. Why don't you welcome Ola, Olaf and Kathy? And for those of you who are newer to our journey, we have another part of our DNA of our campus here is our DC3, or former DC3 Discovery Community Church friends. And we have been, uh, last April, uh, we were leading a combined, a combined campus. There was a whole journey that, that happened through the fall and through, and through the winter where there, we heard of this amazing group of people that God had, been, God had started a work in them. They had been meeting in a, in a, in a small, did you guys start in a home or do you, were you starting in the plaza there the first time? In, 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 in a school? It was a school. Oh, you might have turned that on. Up. There it is. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we joined um, CMCC at that time and later Discovery. Church Metal, right? Yeah. Uh, Church Metal, yes. Um, in 2008, when we were still meeting at school. Um, and yeah, maybe you want to start. Well, j j just one thought to give to give everyone context here. So they were, they were meeting in a school, they went into a building, and I began, and uh, pa Pastor Doug and some of our elders began to meet together, and we knew that there was a journey ahead of us that the building was going to be sold. There was great ministry happening, great people, but weren't able to carry the, the, the weight of, of the costs of that, that building. And we said, whatever length of time that takes, we will journey together, and then we will find out where our church community can meet. And so on Sunday, April 1st, we started as Portico Discovery, and we had a great Easter service. And on, sun, on Tuesday, April 10th, the sale of the building finalized. <laughs> nine, nine days later, we had, and we had, we had no idea. Well, sure, yeah, we had. <laughs> so nine days we were together, and it sends us into scramble mode, planning what are, 
what are, what are we going to do? Where are we going to meet? How is this all going to work out? And I remember in a meeting, and I remember, Olaf, you said this specifically, that, and there was some of the other elders had mentioned the same thought. But there was a strong resolve to make sure that the community there, we might not have this building, but we need to continue functioning as as the body of Christ. And we need, to, we need to find a place where every person who has been part of this can continue to worship and, and continue to grow the church. And so when I think about being resolute on your convictions or being immovable and not being shaken, that's, you came right to mind. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how that all played out for you guys leading up to when this transition was happening and how that's then played out in your families' lives over the years. Yeah, with what happened to DC3, um, it was something that I've never witnessed ever in my life. It was something um, um, very new to me, like something really brand new. And then I was sh shocked. I was, um, I was hurt. I was concerned about the people. Um, I was unsure. There was uncertainty in, in, like in, my own, um, in my own little world. I was talking to all of us. I said, um, I'm not sure. Like, should we look for another church? Mm -hmm. Um, um, all of being an elder, like he's very focused, he's very straight, <laughs> straight ahead, he's very Not determined <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> but um, so I, I was, I know, I wasn't sure, I was, I don't see, I know, but I know one thing that God has a plan. Hmm. God is doing something. I may not understand it at that moment. It's um, stressful and it was, it was just, you know, un uncertainty is always there, but um, I followed um, the lead of Olive, and Olive was leading in the church. So for me, it was God telling me, you know, we're guiding you, we're showing you the way. And so, um, yeah, keep That's going. Cool. Um, yeah, from my side, uh, I want to roll off a little bit earlier when we started with the church. We, we just got to know each other a little bit before that time. Kathy was the one who actually brought me back to the church. Um, I was not attending a church. I was not even thinking about it. And she was asking, hey, what are you doing on a Sunday? I'm like, um, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with her, and um, I, I kind of got back into the church. And um, then we were looking around, and we found um, DC3, or um, it's a Church of Meadows Church at that time. We felt kind of welcome, so we decided on we have to plug ourselves in. Every church is different. You can hop churches forever because there's always something wrong at some of the churches. <laughs> Except uh, here. <laughs> Except at this campus. Like, Streetsville's kind of messed up, but we're perfect here, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we plugged ourselves in. <laughs> we plugged ourselves in. We, we became greeters, helping with greeting. Um, we joined a small group, or here now, growth group. Uh, which helped us tremendously to grow in spiritually. Um, so when then the church moved into their own building, we were thrilled to help out, right? We were, again, greeters, yeah. helping in the Adventure Island. Other activities came to it. Um, so we, we did our best. We put all of our hearts in our activities in the church. And then when the church started struggling, um, people started approaching me to become an elder. And I'm like, no, no way. I'm <laughs> not qualified for an elder. Um, I... My picture of an elder was an ideal person who lived the whole life in the perfect way. Um, I haven't studied anything regarding the church. I was never part of a Bible study group before, so I did not feel equipped at all. Um, until the day when um, it really hit the church really, really hard, and they said, Olaf, you got to step up. My wife came, Olaf, you got to step up. 
at that time I could not resist the calling that was put on my shoulders. Mm. So I said, okay, um, I don't have a vision, I don't have a plan, but I trust in God. That was my, my step at that moment. And I knew that it was all about the people. It was not about the building, it was not about the location, but it was all the people that we had in the church. Yeah, I thought that she wanted to say some stuff. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's a verse that was um, yeah. um, I wanted to share about, uh, which is fitting in this, that situation from James, uh, one that um, consider it joy, um, the trials that we face, and it will keep us, um, give us perseverance. Yeah. Uh, memorizing. <laughs> but that's the Absolutely, message yeah. that, that I thought Consider it pure joy when you go through trials of every kind. Yeah. Per perseverance. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so continuing the story, when um, I became the elder, my focus was, as I said, on what do we do with the people? Like, how do we care for the people? How can we stay together? How can we form a group? And I did not expect all the challenges we had. One, as Rick said, we were finally glad we found a church joining us and helping us, and the next week the building gets sold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ripping away the, the place where we will meet and, um, kind of a tendency of dividing the church though. What really helped me through this whole process were two things. One, we had done a Bible study on the book, The Story. I don't know if anybody knows that. The Story is a book about God's upper story and our lower story. And I always felt like I'm in the lower story and I live my life here seeing little chunks of that big story that God has written. God's story starts with the creation of the world all the way to Jesus and even further to the final end or to the eternity. And we are just a small part of the story. So I have no clue what tomorrow, what the next year, what the next hundred years will bring and how my role that I'm doing here on earth will be a part of that big role. So that's what kept me um, pushing forward to find a solution and trusting in God there will be a solution. And I always said there will be a win-win situation. I don't know how it looks like and what it will be and where we will meet, um, but the win-win for everyone, that's God's goal and that's where we'll be pushed. And finally, we were struggling like after a few months having no campus and we were able to find this campus here and um, we find for a majority of people from Discovery a new home here, joining with people from Portico, which is um, my big success story from God for us. Unbelievable. Thank you so much. It's amazing what God will do when you commit to watching him lead you through seasons of transition and seasons of difficulty. If you say, no, I will, I will stay resolute on my convictions. I will not be shaken. I will become immovable in being and, and journeying as God has called me to be and where God has called me to journey. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC.